What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 29 here on What About Therapy. Today is going to be a little bit different because we have a very special guest today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for having me, guys. My name is Elijah, and here to talk about concussions a little bit. So. Heck yeah. So this is going to be more of a free-flowing conversation between us three, and we're just going to learn from Elijah, like all of you. Yeah, and I guess so, a little bit of background, we, um, we all knew each other in high school. We all played football together, and so this topic is, I guess it's pretty hits home for a lot of us. So we've like, all experienced what concussions can do to us and to other yeah. people, and we've known each other for a little while, and so um, yeah, it's kind of the history of us, though. Yeah, so. I mean, Elijah has played football a lot longer than us, because mm-hmm. he went on to play after high school, but for the most part, yeah. We all know each other a good amount, I'd say. Started pretty young together. So. Yeah. Good stories in the football locker room. <laughs> all types of good stories, and yeah. All that good stuff. But to start off, I guess just tell us about yourself, some of your background. Yeah, so played football since I was nine, so 12 years. Um, played at Pleasant Grove for maybe like six years, growing up with you guys in Little League and high school a little bit. Um, yeah, just football was my life for a long time. Um, and I just recently last year had to retire, not because of my own. I mean, they would have had to pull, pull me off the field if it wasn't for concussions that took me off the field. Um, one of the hardest decisions I made, but, um, it was a decision that was, that was made for, made for me. And it's been really been a really tough year and a half since then for sure hmm. okay so before we get too into it let's we want to just share some stories here not necessarily for kicks and giggles but like elijah put it as we were talking how people take concussions very lightly because i know we all have in high school and so here are some stories <laughs> so do you want to start austin sure um <laughs> i played football pretty early on starting in fifth grade and i'm sure there was instances before this story where i'm sure i had a concussion but didn't say anything about it but it was my first game i was ever starting we were up in idaho playing in this like it's called the rocky mountain rumble and a bunch of teams were invited to play the teams mm-hmm. against idaho with against teams from idaho just to get a different feel and so we were playing the returning state champions from the 5a Idaho League, and it was my first game starting, and I think it was third quarter, and I remember just getting rocked so hard that I fell on the ground, and I remember just looking up at the ceiling of the Idaho State Dome, and just not remembering where I was. I remember that I was playing a football game, I can remember the day, but I had no idea where I was, like, I thought I was just in Utah playing another game, but I didn't know why I was inside of a dome because there's nowhere in Utah that had a dome. (laughs) And so I was really confused. I remember getting up, and I think the reason that I got hit is because there was an interception and I was trying to go tackle the person running the ball back, and I got blindsided, blindside block. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting up, walking back to the sideline, and thinking to myself, I might have a concussion, but if I do, they're going to take me out, and I just barely... Got my I mean, position. at the time when you were in fifth grade, like, what was the word concussion? Uh, you nothing. know, like I, it was. I mean, I heard whispers about it, and people talk a little bit about it, but mostly the conception was, or the perception was, I mean, you get knocked out. And yeah. Like even then, mm-hmm. a lot of times people would still go back in the game. But all like, the time, yeah. Yeah. It was just like for me, a concussion was just like a really hard hit, and like you knew when it would happen, and like. Like you knew you should stay off the field, like the, like you'd get knocked out, and that's how you know you shouldn't go back, and that kind of st- stuck with me as I went through football, and I remember that game specifically thinking I should go talk to um, the sports, um, the trainer that was there, to get tested, and I was like, no, I don't want to lose my starting position, yeah. I'll be fine, and I remember like that weekend I was pretty out of it and had like pretty basic concussion symptoms, so if anything it was pretty mild, but it just kind of shows what we're gonna be talking about today that it just it gets taken so lightly and even like down to the culture of high school football you don't want to lose your starting position it's not a big deal it's kind of so part of football yeah you know? it's like get, there's, get there's no way around it either yeah. like there's i mean i think as a society we've came really far like being more conscious of brain trauma and concussions and there's concussion protocol and mm-hmm. there's targeting and there's all these rules but you can't take violence out of football mm-hmm. and no matter what not. you do it's still going to happen. Like if it's a hit to your chest, it's still shaking your brain. 
Mm-hmm. You're still mm-hmm. running. In no other scenario are you running 20 miles an hour into another human being. You know True. what I mean? You're human bumper yeah. cars. Mm-hmm. It, and even if that person hits you in the foot and you fly and land on your chest, but then your head smacks the ground. Like, I've seen fighters often talk about football and say, that's way worse than anything mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. I can't watch football sometimes because they just see, like, they know how hits to the head feel. And they see the impact that footballs are taking, like the level of force that football players are taking. Mm-hmm. The level of force is, it's unnatural. In any mm-hmm. other setting, it's not possible. I don't so, know what where the statistic I got this from, but it was recent where I heard that the average like collision, like tackle, if it's a bigger hit, um, the average big hit is about the same force as getting in a car crash, like yeah. a pretty high-speed collision car crash. Right. And so if you're constantly thinking about running backs and wide receivers that are constantly getting tackled, it's like getting hit by a car over and over again yeah it's basically and this time not exact but it they compared it to it's like driving your car at around 30 miles an hour into a brick wall Mm -hmm. is about the force that it puts on your brain because your brain is free floating in your skull Mm -hmm. we have no mechanism to to protect that it's just it's floating around in there and when you hit somebody it bounces around and you think about like little league like that hit when you're in fifth grade people Mm -hmm. think like are like it makes me sick some kids leaks start at like seven years old and i think up here around then oh yeah from what I i've heard so, yeah. i remember like I friends like starting in first grade how old are you in first grade like super young like six five so you you think five. then they think well the kids aren't running that fast they don't weigh very much they've compared it they've done studies where it's all to scale because you're mm-hmm. developing and you're so much more fragile right. then even though you're not running as fast the hits are just as detrimental as the NFL. Like they found, mm. they found CTE in people who only played little league. Put it that way. Like what's C- I guess what's CTE for the people that don't know? <clears throat> so CTE is the brain disease. Most commonly, if people have heard the stories of like Aaron Hernandez, okay, murdered a couple people. Um, Junior Seau, another football player that shot himself in the heart so that way they could look at his brain. There's so many stories that it's hard to keep track or even all the ones that come to my mind because it happens so frequently. Mm. Like a football player goes off the rails and then he dies and they look at his brain and almost 99% of the time he has CT. There's been stories like there was a football player that he shot his girlfriend. He's active player for the chiefs, shot his Mm. girlfriend, killed her, drove to the stadium, shot himself in front of his coach. Played for the Chiefs. Gosh, His brain had CTE. There was a player just a couple months ago who mass shooting killed like seven people. His brain CTE. And the studies they've done of former football players. So they did a study of former NFL players, college players, and high school players. Total, 87% of them had CTE. Even the high school players. Wow. Yeah. And so that's Jeez. the whole group, 87%. Of the NFL players, it was 99. 213 brains, 212 had it. Somehow, one guy... Kicker. Didn't have it. I don't, <laughs> the, the I, I don't know. But they, yeah. the crazy thing is they found it in kickers too. Huh. Which that would just be, it's really, that's the misconception about CTE is it's more, some people know about it and they've seen the movie Concussion and they think it's old football players. It's exclusive to that. But it's not that. What it is is repetitive subconcussive, subconcussive trauma. So subconcussive means hits that don't quite cause a concussion. And even concussion's a loose term, but, you know, just getting your bell rung. The average hit in football. Mm-hmm. But it's just the volume that's the problem. Is over if you play again. from when you're nine years old. So I started when I was nine. By the time I stopped, I'd played 12 years. Goodness. Thousands and thousands of hits to the head. And even worse for me, because I did it on purpose. I would hit people with my head on purpose. Why? Because football is a violent game and it works. People started telling me when I was getting in high school that I shouldn't do it. You know, like there was rules against it, whatever. It worked. Especially for me, I wasn't the best athlete, but I was fearless. And I would spear people with my head and I was known for being aggressive. And and I didn't have a concussion until last year. But CTE is not about concussions. Put it this way, it's better to have, I would much rather have had, say, four terrible concussions in my life than thousands of subconcussive hits. It does way more to your brain incrementally than just like snowboarding or skiing or something mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that. Just because it's every play, even if it's not much, your brain is wiggling around. 
every time you're blocking somebody and you fall down. Like just think about it. it's not normal in any human setting to fall down the amount of times you fall right. down in football. Like that's every play, if you're getting tackled or blocking somebody or whatever, it's not normal to fall down thousands of times. On purpose. Like, yeah, like <laughs> That's part of the game. Now you yeah, run yeah. as fast as you can into another person and fall down into them. Like it's drag them down to the ground with all the aggression you have. Yeah, like the doctor that discovered CTE in the movie and it's dramatized or whatever, but basically just says like humans were not built to play football. We don't have like some animals have mechanisms for that, like a ram or they have horns and they have cushion. Right. A bird that pecks a tree, it has a tongue that wraps around its brain and it cushions it. Humans, wow. we are meant to... Not, we're not Not physically, we're not impressive. In the wild, yeah. we are bubbles of water, basically. It's like really our us brains. Versus, yeah. yeah, that's what's made us top of the food chain is our yeah. brains. So how ironic is it that we became the top of the food chain just to create a game that destroys our brains for entertainment? Hmm. It's a it's a powerful way to put it. Yeah. Like, and I think it's interesting that you said that it's not the big concussions that people should be worried about. The big hits that like are really scary because the person goes stiff and their arms curl up. It's the constant hits that are happening just as part of the game. Like, yeah. you can just get tackled to the ground. A running back gets tackled. Yeah. I mean, if they're a, if they're a power back and they're like that's the game plan is wrapped around like a a strong formation that's based off the running back. He's gonna get tackled. Yeah. I don't like. If you get an average carry in a game with, what, like yeah. 30 carries, the you're going to tackle 30 the times. The only way they found that they can really have somewhat of a marker to predict if somebody will have CTE or not is not the amount of concussions that they've had. It is the amount of years they've played. Hmm. They've, like, each year the percentage goes up so much. So that's, so like, the correlation is, like, as years go up, CTE chances go up. Yeah. So. yeah. Wow. It's mm-hmm. interesting. So, it, I mean, that obviously depends... Um, it depends when you start, right? I mean, that's why there's some people advocating for, like, flag football before 14, which hmm. I think that's that's great. That's, yeah. that's better. I love flag football. It's, yeah, it's not I'd do it. It's not the answer, but yeah. it's, it's better. And the answer is people don't want to hear the answer. Yeah. I think once we have a way to diagnose CTE in a living person, football will not exist. Once you can go to the Green Bay Packers and you can say every single one of you except that punter back there <laughs> have CTE, people are going to be like, I'm, I'm good. And it will go away. But until then, when you have a question mark, it's way too lucrative and it's the most entertaining. That's why it makes so much money. Is It's a gladiator society. You know what I mean? Like it's very, very fun true. to watch. I'm not – football was my life for a very long time. I'm not claiming – I mean, I can't watch it now just because of my perspective and I, I don't see it the same. And I used to watch hard hit videos on YouTube and just <laughs> get super excited about watching Pumped. some guy get his head ripped off. But yeah, once you awesome. know that that guy probably went home and beat his kids, it doesn't feel the same hmm. for you anymore, you know? So, yeah. So in this world that we have, like especially in the United States, like in Utah, the South, it's huge. High school boys are idolized for their abilities like to play football do you feel like there's a world where football can exist and where it's not completely detrimental to like society or like so so kids can be yeah not so lucrative not so gladiator based like like you said the whole 14 year old with flag football do you think there's a from what you found in your studies and like your understanding is there a, a world that can be lived in where football exists but isn't having this like super dramatic impact on people's lives i mean medicine is amazing mm-hmm. so i I can't completely rule that out. It would take some pretty amazing discoveries. Like, it would basically take, like... I think it would take a way to see, like, it's forming. Like, all right, like, your brain is going that direction for Mm. sure. Some sort of a scan that shows anything. But there's no way to make football safe. I mean, starting at 14 is a start. I think anything before 14 is child abuse. I think it's... I think it's it's terrible. And I get, like... how You can't get it till you're closely affected by it. Mm. So when I see, like parents putting their kids in football I don't I'm not like obviously that's not their intent and you mm-hmm. know my dad had no idea when he put me in football and even when you start to hear about it you don't take it seriously till you're closely affected by mm-hmm. it you know in our society American culture is so football is normal you know so it's not thought of like that but um there's no way to make football safe long story short it doesn't point. matter but um, I think as an adult, you could make the decision and what you can't make everything safe. I'm not taking a CDC approach to this. Like 
you can't just tell people they can't do things. Like, yeah, yeah. Of course. But I don't think kids or people in high school should be, I don't think our culture should be so ingrained to where that's, that's normal. You know, like yeah. high school football, you go to school and you can play a dangerous sport like that. Um, and a lot of people are going to hate that and not want to hear it. And yeah. me, I would have had the same perspective. I didn't take this stuff seriously at all. I would write, I would write in high school. The first time I had to write an essay, I wrote it about this hmm. and I laughed about it in a way. I mean, like I laughed about what I was doing. Like I basically thought I was invincible because I would hit people like I did and I didn't have concussions. Hmm. I didn't have to sit out games and but that's not what what it was really about it was about all the like my brain was was resilient i was able to take those hits and and keep moving but one day it caught up to me Uh and the truth is it will catch up to everyone everyone just has their timeline is different it really is based a lot on genetics and a lot of other factors it's basically how many licks does it take to get to the center of you know what I mean? Like everybody's like, yeah. line is different. Yeah. I, I didn't get there. I had no idea how close to my line it was. You know? Yeah. It's like the old saying, um, it isn't a problem until it is. Yeah. Like it's always it's like it's like that with a lot of people with um with drinking and other unhealthy behaviors. It could it should be and can be seen the same way as like alcoholism that it starts off as just like it's fun, whatever, and then it gets to a point. It will get to a point if you continue it at some point. Like you said, the longer you do it, mm-hmm. it's going to cause problems. And from my understanding, that's the case with any type of substance abuse, any type of behavioral addiction, no matter what it is. The earlier you start and the longer you do it, the more negative effect it's going to have. And the earlier you stop it, the more likely you are to be able to um, heal from it. Yeah, and that's my understanding of any football mental disorder. Is, it's so dangerous because it is so validating. Mm. And it's so validating that it be- can become your identity so easily. Mm. And so many people struggle after football. They they can't let go. After So after I played at SVU, I played in some semi-pro leagues. And there are so many 30-year-old men who can't stop playing football because they love it so much and it's so wrapped up in who they are that they will just continue to damage their brain and they they can't help themselves. Uh And, like, for me, man, even, like, as much as I've been suffering, it was still the hardest decision I've ever made to pull myself away from it. Like, my post-concussion symptoms started in the summer. I had just accepted a scholarship to a school in Kansas City. I still went. And I only... (laughs) So I was still feeling the symptoms and everything as I was going through camp there I stopped because my eligibility was denied Hmm. and at that point that made me sit back and really reflect and I was like you have to be done Hmm. but if if that wasn't if my eligibility was passed I could be still playing football right now as much as it's getting me because it was it was, and I'm still processing right now, so much of who I was. It's what I did. It's what I thought of before I went to sleep when I woke up. It was everything for me. I mean, you know, in high school, I moved schools for a better opportunity to play football. Mm-hmm. I didn't like how it was going at Pleasant Grove, so I moved. I literally, and my dad would drive me from Pleasant Grove to Taylorsville. I didn't move wow. immediately. He would drive me every morning at 4 in the morning because we had lifts at 5.30. Wow. So we would Jeez. wake up in the winter. And he would drive me all the way there. And we did that for about three months until he moved to Salt Lake and we were closer. But I would do anything for football. I went to Virginia twice, Division Three scholarship. Division Three scholarship basically isn't a scholarship. It's a walk-on offer. Because Division Three they can't offer you um, athletic money. That's just how it works. So I paid. I went into debt so that I could keep my dream going. Hmm. Because when I was a kid, I promised myself that I was going to see it through you know so it's it's powerful yeah it's a it's deeply ingrained in society it's a dangerous thing and I get why people don't want to hear it Uh you know like I it's very it's a lot easier not to for sure absolutely you kept on playing and I quit (laughs) I wish I would have (laughs) yeah I I played through senior year and um I wasn't aware of any of this really like 
I mean, you I hear about it, either, like, and you, yeah. the rules have been changing, and the culture's kind of shifted, like, targeting's a big deal now, and um, un unnecessary hits to the head, stuff like that's a big deal, you get kicked out of the game, but, I mean, the damage is done at that point, like you said, there's no way to make it safe, there's no way to to force a kid to not be an idiot when he tackles. There's they're always going to be the idiots that want to make the big hit because they don't like the rifle score. I mean, even then, with targeting rules, like, you, you can't really get out of the way. You know, like, somebody's going low, the other person drops the last minute. Um, mm -hmm. But even, like I said, a hit to the legs is still shaking, shaking your brain. It's they have the when, you, when you ask, is there a way to make football safe? Yes, but it wouldn't be football. That's pretty much it. You'd have to change it so drastically that it was... Some weird form of lacrosse, <laughs> like it would, it wouldn't be football be at that European point. European football, yeah, yeah like basketball, <laughs> basketball or something. Yeah, basically just ball seven on um, seven tournaments would, would it yeah. be. Like if anyone knows what that is, that's yeah. basically what it would turn into. Like Padless with touch, hats, little yeah, oh little padded. God, I still have mine. Dude. <laughs> hats, hats. You still have it? I should wear that around all the time. <laughs> driving, just driving. Wow. I can't get another one, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, so well. Like what have, because you, you, you mentioned it's been really hard for you to transition from like having this identity of you are a football player, you know, football is you. So what have you been doing to transition from, you know, you are a football player to, you know, you are like Elijah. Who is Elijah now? Like what have you been doing? Yeah, man, it's, it's taken a lot of soul searching for sure. I mean, football is such an identity crutch put it that way. Mm. Somebody before this period asked me to describe myself, football is going to be in the first three sentences. Right. It gives huh. you a form of validation, a form of place. You feel like you belong. Mm -hmm. You were on a team and that team needs you and you have a place on that team. And there's a certain, like there are traits that are associated with being a football player, right? Like, it's something you're proud of saying. Like right. Being manly. It means you are mm -hmm. strong. You are a man. You are brave. You are athletic. Like all these, all these positive things, right? So it's been tough to really... It's been tough but good for me to strip that away. And I think anybody, football especially, but any sport, should really remove themselves from that and say, this is something I do. This is not who I am. Mm -hmm. Because what you do will change. What you do will always change. And that's been very easier said than done. For me, it happened in a time where I've had crippling concussion symptoms and I've been processing basically the loss. It's, it's basically a loss of a significant part of me at the same time. So it's taken a lot of, a lot of effort, a lot of reflecting, a lot of therapy and meditation and I'm not gonna sit here and this is gonna be the talk like I'm I'm past it and I'm I'm doing great now. No, I mean like I it's hard for me to look at any of my old jerseys or anything, you know. It's it's tough to been trying to not resent that that time period of my life. Um it's really like grieving a loss. It really is. Absolutely. Like because that's how that's how big it was for me. And football came to me in a part of my life where I didn't have much validation or place. So it really took over when I was very vulnerable and I built myself up into this person where that was the core of everything, hmm. you know? So taking that yeah. away has been very much still figuring it out for sure. It's like the death of the self. Like you've literally died in a sense, you know, part of you has literally yeah. died. And so you have for to sure. grieve that. And I mean, that's totally normal. It says that grieving process, and like you said, it's soul-searching, you know, and so it's good for you to as you actually recognize that stuff, you know, and to be able mm -hmm. to to go after and actually soul-search, because it's not just something that you can get rid of and not replace it with something else, Yeah. you know. And so with that being said, have you been doing anything that's started to, you know, fill that void of no more football? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the biggest thing for me, I've... Um, became pretty addicted to CrossFit for sure. Um, God bless you. CrossFit, um, <laughs> it was something that I tried. I have a friend who's a pretty good CrossFitter and he, um, he invited me while I was still playing football to just get some conditioning in. And it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. All football excluded two a days, all of it. CrossFit was the <laughs> hardest thing I'd ever done. 
And I was like, that sucked and I don't need it. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and so I never went back. And then um, it took me being really athletically desperate, hmm. that void of football gone. And then going to a CrossFit session and getting a feeling similar that really hooked me. Because there's something about working your tail off with a group of other people that you cannot replicate other than doing it. You know, like suffering and competing and like emptying that effort bucket. You know what I mean? Like giving it everything you have that just, it doesn't, it doesn't fill that void. And I'm not going to sit here and say it feels like football. Football feels like nothing else. Right. But it's been very close for me and given me something to focus on and work towards because really for me that was the biggest thing was for football I was constantly improving like I was in eighth grade writing out workout plans and nutrition plans and figuring out how I was going to get better and all those things and so that's what I missed the most when I stopped playing football I was like all right what am I going to get better at now you know and like obviously like life in general and trying to self-improve in all areas but Getting athletically better has been my source of serotonin for a long time. So CrossFit has been a healthy way for me to fill that void thus far. So, I think you illustrate a really important purpose of why people even get involved in football in the first place. Like, of course, there's the, like the gladiator aspect. Like, as a young boy looking at it, like that's what the popular people do and all that. And there's the whole social aspect of that. But looking back. Um, I like on football and the things that I I really appreciate about it and you illustrated this talking about CrossFit is that it brings that level of like burden to a person's life that really makes them grow like when I go back and think about how football formed me into the person that I am like, yeah I probably have some type of head trauma from it that like the CTE the micro tears that you were talking about I'm sure I have some of that that's affecting me in some way or another and I don't doubt that for a second but if I think about what it did for me and what people can find in other healthy Things yeah. like CrossFit, other things, is that bearing that really heavy burden of suffering and being part of a team because people love that. Humans need that. Like yeah. That's what we've always been, and I think that's what people what draws people to football so much beyond the fact. I think that's what, draw, what draws them initially is the amazing glory of it, but then you have the, the – what keeps – like what's what, kept, what kept me is that amazing burden of suffering and growth and hard work. And so I think you illustrate one of the solutions there is that people seem to find a, a similar way to get that, I guess that fix yeah. that they're looking for, that you were looking for. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's extremely healthy and will bring a lot of meaning to your life if you could find a healthy outlet yeah. for that desire. I feel you. I mean, like there's definitely a, a place for sport that I think will never go away. In yeah, there's for, something about it. Reason, yeah, for sure. I agree. I think football is just the heroin of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. It's so good, but it's too good. It's you so good, I mean? but it's, it's so bad. There's yeah. there's a price that comes that pay. You have to pay for that. You know, like it's there's a reason that it, football owns a day of the week. The church used to own that day. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's because Facts. it is so strong you know like it's, it's interesting that you say that yeah mm-hmm. it's a very interesting point like and like although you bring up the heroin aspect too because if you look at it as like as harmful as a drug like heroin the most reinforcing drugs are usually the most dangerous drugs mm-hmm. and so if football is the most reinforcing as if it's like it gets the most adrenaline going that it's just like boom 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 hit hit touchdown huge tackle giant hit another small hit but still a big hit it's extremely reinforcing just like heroin would be. Like it's mm-hmm. extremely reinforcing, but there's opposition in all things. If there's a huge amount of reinforcement, there's it's like the one of Newton's laws. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. Football is gonna sure. be that every high reinforcing and period. that um yeah, like if it's gonna be that like fun, I guess, to watch. There's gotta be some type of like if you look at it from like a spiritual karma context. There's something about it yeah. that is going to be super detrimental, and that would take the form of of CTE. So it's interesting that you that you say it that way because it can be equally as, as harming as someone with a severe, maybe probably even more than a substance abuse problem because of what we've seen happen to people, like the domestic abuse, the, the suicides, yeah. the um, the stuff that goes really under the radar that yeah. we're talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. It's it's eye opening. <laughs> yeah, it's, it really is. It really is. So someone like your average Joe, 
like I'm sure some of our listeners probably have never played football before in their life. They may have watched a few games. They may not even know how the game works. So why would, like, what happens there in football or just concussions in general? Or, like, what we're talking about, why should that concern them, you know, and not just the average football players player. yeah. or, you know, anyone who plays, like, an aggressive sport. Like, you can get concussions in almost every sport if you mm. go hard enough, except maybe golf. <laughs> I don't know. Like, but, like, why, why does that concern them, you know? I think the most concerning thing about it is those tears take a long time to form into what CTE becomes in the sense that what I'm feeling today probably happened when I was a child. Hmm. So what I'm feeling 10, the last couple of hits that I went through, I'm not going to know how hard that's going to hit me for a long time. Hmm. So it's like, you're building up this house in your brain of trauma and you're not going to know when it's going to show itself until it's way too late. And it's not like, Oh, you broke your arm and it heals it. It's going to be there when it's too late. You know what I mean? Like there's, and there's no way to know there's no test. Like right after a game. All right, Billy, you had a, tough game let's go see if cte is forming you know like there's right. there's nothing like that so if you don't take your brain health seriously it is going to hit you hardest when you can do little to nothing about it no pun intended that's that's the scariest <laughs> thing about yeah. it. yeah and is it like a, from a societal standpoint when it's widespread enough from what you've seen and what you know from from your research and from your own personal experience what do you think that could do to a community like on a widespread basis if enough people are affected by it do you feel like that that could have a deep enough societal impact where the average joe should be worried about it um i think it should but i think i think it won't Mm -hmm. i think i think what it's going to take is when there's a real way to see cte in a real person okay um in a living person because there's a lot of there are so many heartbreaking stories like this and football is still bigger than ever there's yeah, this foundation called the Concussion Legacy Foundation. You ever take a scroll through that page, it is countless story after story after story. Every day I can't follow it anymore because every day it's another person. They played football in Little League. They only played for a year. They died as a teenager. It's so many stories of people every time. that, And it's you know there's a lot of communities that are struck down to the core, but what are you going to do about it? Uh-huh. That's what it spells out too is we can be concerned as much as we want, but... Uh-huh until you do something about it, it doesn't matter. You know, like even my own family, like I've talked, I have spoken so much to my family trying to make them understand what I'm going through, but I've given up at this point because I can have a long conversation with my grandpa about what I'm going through and then he flips the game on. And it's just like, it's, I get, I I, I gave up and I I get that it doesn't come from a bad place for him, but... Mm -hmm. You cannot understand it until you are very closely affected by it. And I think why he doesn't understand it is because I work so hard to compose myself. Mm -hmm. Why do I have to do something terrible before you consider what I'm going through is significant? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like people only open their eyes when it's too late. It takes somebody to commit a mass shooting or do something crazy for somebody to say, oh, something's going on here Mm -hmm. and then sweep it under the rug. Like, yeah, yeah that's a good point. Like, so we talked about, I told you about the player that shot himself in front of the stadium before, right? I didn't yeah, say that earlier in the podcast, we talked about the so Chiefs. This, yeah. this is a prime example of literally happened on NFL grounds. And it's, it's in the news for a day and everyone says, ah, that's sad. And then keeps moving. So hmm. it was a football player for the Chiefs. Um, I can't remember his name, um, but he was a current player for the Chiefs. Young guy, I think he'd only played five years in the league, five years or less. He shoots his girlfriend, drives to the stadium, gets out of his car. His coach comes out to see him, shoots himself in front of his coach. They look at his brain. He is CTE. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, uh, again, pun intended, a literal smoking gun. Like a current football player right now just committed murder and then shot himself in front of the stadium. And I think at that time, the NFL was still somewhat denying it. Like, the NFL spent so much money to try to hush this conversation and try to not let it happen. 
And it's out now. They don't deny it now because they had no choice. Mm. But still, what are we going to do about it? You know, like they, you can make a helmet as good as you want, but it can't right. stop the brain from shaking in the skull. You can put a tank around your head and it's not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. Your concussion protocols are, it's not enough and it will, it will never be enough. You know, football, that's, that's just the nature of the game. Like football was better in the leather helmet days because you didn't use your helmet as a weapon. The moment you put this big shell on your head and you feel like you're invincible is when it got real bad. Like mm. I played rugby and a lot of people would ask me like, oh, that's scary. No pads tackling big Polynesians. Yeah. The Polynesians were scary, but <laughs> rugby was a lot less violent than football was because rugby is played in a line like soccer and you, they try to advance the line and they get tackled and they drop the ball behind them. And then you reset a line. You're not running from the opposite side of the field and catching a receiver and flipping him over his legs. You know what I mean? It's all like you're getting up to maybe five miles an hour before you hit somebody. And you don't have a helmet on, so you're form tackling. Right. You know, you're form tackling, rolling, getting people to the ground. Which, I mean, there's a, a lot of people who played rugby and got on CT, but a lot less people than oh, yeah, uh, played football. You don't really hear it for there. sure. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty deep-rooted problem from what it sounds like in the cultural and society. Like, it's, it's hard to overcome it but it almost seems worth it to, to get the word out just because of how, how deep it runs. You know, like the cover-ups. If, if a big organization like the NFL is covering something up, oh, yeah. I mean, you can, issue. you can lose days of sleep if you try to look into how deep they've covered everything up. I mean, they've known for a very long time. That's crazy. Um, and they've <laughs> paid insane. people off. And the doctor who discovered it, like he had people like following him to his house and death threats Jeez. and like the whole nine yards, like everything. Um, and it's because the NFL knew that they have a problem and they've somewhat addressed the problem now because they had no choice. Um, this has been a lot about CTE. Um, so I've had, I got a concussion, got a concussion again. There's concussion is a loose term. Um, there's not really a lot that diagnoses a concussion other than Mm -hmm. I went to the emergency room and said I played football. And so that's, that's what happened. But, um, I've had concussion symptoms to this day for, over a year and a half, it's almost been two years. I've had a headache every day since then. Um, debilitating brain fog. It feels like I'm drunk most of the day. It's, I mean, you look at me now, I'm talking. I don't seem like I'm like that, but what What am I going to do? I have no choice other than to keep moving. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. so I've had a headache every day. Um, very normal things for most people are very hard for me. Going into a grocery store is about one of the hardest things I do. Um, the bright right. lights, all the okay. people. So all the people stimulates my anxiety, which makes my headache worse. Mm-hmm. The bright lights and the noise makes my headache worse. Mm-hmm. Um, today, I went to Costco, and it was basically Vietnam. And that sounds <laughs> hilarious, but that's literally how it is. That's how it felt. That's yeah. how it feels. And it, I had to lay down in a dark room for an hour and a half when I got home. And that's every day of my life and i have seen so many specialists and spent thousands of dollars i've seen i've done hormone therapy ketamine therapy i um i had this injection in my neck it's called a stella ganglion block that's supposed to like stop the fight or flight thing like um yeah didn't work um and that's not a knock on that treatment it's just nothing has worked you know like i saw a sports specific neurologist and he basically told me, take better care of myself, which is the most frustrating thing to hear because I do. I'm not a person who is out here. I don't drink alcohol. I eat pretty healthy. I obviously exercise. You're a personal I, trainer too. Yeah, like yeah. I, I value my my sleep. Like I've, I've dialed in all these things and spent all this money and been working my tail off to try to get this figured out and none of it's working. But I have no choice, obviously, but to keep moving. You know, this plays like a really wonderful thing that we talk about all the time on the podcast that there's going to be things in your life that, um, that if they never go away, what are you going to do about it? Like you can't just avoid everything that comes your way that would uh, like would block you from doing what you want to do. You still have a life that you want to live and you've tried all these different things and they're not working, but you're still choosing to live your life anyways. And I think that's really encouraging for anyone that's going through debilitating anxiety like for whatever reason some people experience traumatic trauma as a kid 
um, because of like an actual experience of like I don't know some type of sexual abuse, and that has a similar effect that concussion would on their mental health. And mm-hmm. someone like that could be listening to this and thinking, "Wow, there is a way to overcome this while still living the living through the problems." That's the the definition of living what would be called a value based life. You know, you have these things that you care about and a life that you want to live. Yeah, it's it's hard, and like you said, it's like a Vietnam War flashback when you go to just go to the store, which is well, that's a reality for a lot of people for a, a million different reasons. And I mean, it's encouraging for me to hear that someone going through is something as hard as that can can still wake up in the morning. I guess like is every person has a million reasons to not be a good human, but what separates a good human from a bad human is the person who chooses to live their life anyways, despite those million reasons. Mm -hmm. I think that's the encouragement that someone could take away from this, that let's say someone out there is listening or anyone in the world with this issue can say there's a, there's a, there's a future beyond the meaning that I find from football. Even if I have this long-term chronic illness from getting hit so many times, there's a life beyond that. And so I guess the question that maybe we could even end on for you what source of hope would you give to a someone, maybe not even suffering with CTE-related issues, but just in a similar issue that has similar symptoms? What would you say to them as encouragement that life can continue on? Yeah, I would say what's been huge for me um, is this actually comes from this prayer. And I'm not a religious person, but I think there's a lot of wisdom in religion, for mm-hmm. sure. It's called um, the Serenity Prayer. You... Have you heard of that one? I'm not familiar. So I'm probably going to butcher this. I have it up in my room, but it basically says um, it's about focusing on what you can control and letting go what you can't and having peace with the things that you can't control. So a lot that goes on with anxiety is anxiety usually comes with a critic and the critic tells you you're bad and you're worthless because you feel anxiety Uh. and that you're broken and all these things and ultimately anxiety is not something you can control it's not something your thinking brain can turn off and turn on you can't go into a situation and beat yourself into submission and not feel anxiety you know like the more you beat yourself up the more you're going to feel anxiety The person that approaches their anxiety with patience, compassion, love, and understanding is the person that gets their life back. So what's been huge for me is focusing on what I can control and kicking ass on that. And at the end of the day, I can say, I did that. I can control that Mm. and I can be proud of myself and I can have peace with that. These other things, how much anxiety I felt. And when I had an awkward interaction at the store because my anxiety took over and I did something weird, I'm not going to beat myself down for that because it's not helping and it's only going to make the situation worse. And that's that's easier said than done. It's something yeah. you have to train and pattern and be able to be aware of the self-talk. Yeah. But really like writing it down and saying, these are the things I can control. These are the things I can't. And I'm going to work on these has been huge for me and it's something i'm still trying to install you don't just like it sounds inspirational and you can (laughs) listen to it and i've heard as many anxiety quotes as anybody and been like yeah that's great but you have to do the work and i'm doing the work right now again i'm not past these issues like i am working on them right now you're putting your issues in your back pocket and just living your life the way you want to live it yeah i can think of a better way to to put that that was that's amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, super inspirational. That's like the, we talk a lot about a therapy modality called acceptance and commitment therapy. And that, what you described is the, is the crux of the entire theory is that life is worth living despite the things that try, like the, the critic is like, it's, that's the whole, it's called the dictator in acceptance and commitment therapy. That's mm-hmm. the word that the creator uses. And, um, you put it beautifully that life can continue on despite the Vietnam style flashbacks yeah. that you have and even the critic you have to love and accept him because exactly. he has a purpose mm-hmm. what does the critic do the critic gets me up in the morning and says stop being lazy and it makes me work hard and a lot of times he's right a lot of times he's wrong but he has a purpose anxiety has a purpose is it misfiring am i safe at the store yeah but anxiety is why we're alive today mm-hmm. you know like 
it's basically the concept of how much can you do if you stop fighting with yourself? You know, because that is the biggest battle you're fighting every day is you're not on your own team. You know, like for me, I'm trying to make amends and repair the relationship with myself because it's been so bad for such a long time. Wow. Man, that's beautiful. I can think of a better way to like yeah. end that. Wow. And I mean, I think one thing that's, that's beautiful about your story and what you've been doing is you have learned to not identify yourself as anxiety. You're just experiencing anxiety. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like many of us, when we, we've talked about this before on a couple episodes is we tend to say, you know, I, I am anxious or I am depressed and things like that. Yeah. But rather the way you've worded it, the way you phrased it in your, in your life is you, you were just experiencing the situations. You're experiencing these anxious feelings, these flashbacks, but that's not who you are you know yeah and you recognize that you are more than that you're higher than these feelings that you're going through and do they suck like absolutely yeah you know it doesn't take away that they're not hard but the fact that you can separate from yourself and what you're going through like is is a big deal that's really Mm -hmm. really inspirational yeah it's again another thing i'm working on and you can catch me 65 percent of the day not doing it and then i say oh it's happening, you know, like it's yeah. not something you listen to and then just change that. You have to Absolutely. work on it. But that's one thing I've learned through. That's what they talk a lot about in meditation is that your thoughts and your emotions, they peak and pass. You can't, the more you resist them, the stronger they stay mm-hmm. and that you can't identify them, identify with them. And that's where the critic comes in. And when I feel anxiety, I don't like to think that it makes me feel weak. You know, anxiety makes me feel weak. So okay. I tend, I tend to identify with it but when i catch it and i reframe it it gets a little quieter it's not much it's very very small probably not even noticeable but it gets a little quieter and it takes a lot of work for sure it's worth it though yeah like the investment is worth it obviously like i'm able to overcome a lot of things and like even just being able to identify like even like you said being able to identify the critic but not as good or bad but as helpful or unhelpful the days that it's helpful the days that it's unhelpful it takes work but it's a it's a massive investment to make into your life because you can get to that point being able to be psychologically flexible. It, um, it will, from what I'm sure you could relate and testify to that it pays back in dividends, just like an amazing investment would in a stock Mm -hmm. market. It's going to, it's going to pay you back and you, it's, you're able to come back from these extremely traumatic events that turn your life into a way that you never thought it would. And it's, it's possible through that hard work and that reframing, and it's, it's, it's really inspirational for me to hear and anyone listening hopefully feels that same way that no matter what you're going through, there's a way to reframe it. There's a way to, to carry it with you so you can live your, your life despite having traumatic, traumatic, um, mm-hmm. concussive syndromes. That's not it. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the small deposits every day that mm-hmm. make the biggest difference over time. You know, yeah. it's not just one big just deposit. Just like the hits done. that put me here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can be mad and throw a fit as much as I want that I can't it's hard for me to do normal things but it took a lot to get me here it took a lot of negative stuff on me to get me here so the fact that I'm not through it in this short amount of time it is what it is you know so and you just keep on making deposits mm-hmm. every day yeah it's so not it counts, man. it's not a lump sum investment like you said it's a it's a <laughs> daily practice which will get you to where you need to be and it sounds like I have a pretty positive mentality there's a lot of times I don't <laughs> Tell you what, when I was sitting in that dark room today, I was pretty beat down for sure. I meditated, I took a nap, and I reevaluated my plan for the day. And I said, did I control what I could control? My effort, was I kind? Did I do what I needed to get done? Like three things I've set for myself are if I can work hard, be kind and laugh every day. It sounds like live, laugh, love. It sounds like a sticker. <laughs> but if I do That's those, beautiful. if I do those three, then I can be happy. Yeah. Is um, not feel anxiety on that list? No, because I don't have control of that. Mm. You know, is not have such a debilitating headache that I feel like I have a disability on that list? No, it's not. I I don't have control of that. You know, so if I do those things, then I can be happy and at, and at peace your like your life and your identity isn't on your victim status it's yeah. on your your values of what you really care about in life mm-hmm. that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. 
out of my control. Hmm. That's actually a lot of why I love CrossFit is because it makes me feel very capable. Because when I can't do things like go to the grocery store or whatever social interaction or just a dog barks and it almost makes me cry because it hurts so bad. I'm so sensitive to light and sound. It makes me feel very uncapable, you know? So when I go out and I can go to CrossFit and do a bunch of weird Murph. weird shit that <laughs> weird stuff that most people can't do, that validates me and pokes a hole in that false belief, you yeah. know. Side tangent about CrossFit, but no, that's just, sponsored by CrossFit. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's sponsored by, by Rogue. It's sponsored by Rogue. You can go actually not with Cable. Oh, wow. Anyway, we'll talk about that. <laughs> talk about after the podcast. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a wow. great place to end. Yeah. I mean, thanks for coming on here. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. These are a lot of thoughts that I'm not a type of person usually I don't like to vent. I It just feels like complaining to me, and I know it has its place, and I have a therapist, but talk therapy doesn't do a whole lot for me. So most of these thoughts, Stay right up top. So it felt really good to put them out into the universe. So thank you guys. For that. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah, I'm glad we could help in any way. And I'm sure this will honestly be a big help for a lot of people. I hope so. I really hope so. And so, yeah, let's get the word out. Share Again, this. Yeah. If you want to watch this on YouTube, which we highly recommend, you can go to our bio on Instagram. And I don't know if it's in my Facebook. Is it in your Facebook? It's not in my Facebook, but it will be after this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can go to our Facebook, Instagram. And the YouTube link will be there along with the link to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to. And you can go ahead and listen. Like we said, share it with someone that maybe is going through something similar to the situation. It doesn't have to be CTE, but if, if you've thought of someone during this episode at any time, maybe share it with them because they might need to hear it. So. Thanks for listening, everyone. or watching. Have a good week. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy?